we're going to hear about two characters, really simple today. There's Jesus and there's Nicodemus. Nicodemus is, is a Pharisee, a religious leader. He's thought of as an esteemed teacher of the law. Jesus or Nicodemus followed all the rules. He's done everything that he can do to be faithful to God. And yet he's still looking for real, tangible connection with God. If you've watched The Chosen, I've talked about it a couple times, but this is where I do wish we had a big screen, because the way that they bring this scene, this reading to life, is wonderful. They, Nicodemus has sent word to uh, disciples that, hey, I really want to meet with Jesus privately at night. So they bring him, and they go up to the roof of this house, and they're talking, and Jesus says, would you like to sit down? And they're just sitting down at the table. You can Google it. It's episode 7 from the first season, or it's actually, a, I placed it up with a link on the website. You can view it there. But for now, let's, let's hear this story about Jesus and Nicodemus. It's the third chapter of John, beginning at the first verse. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, 
but to save the world through him. This is the word of God still speaking today. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. It's such an interesting story. And it contains, of course, what I think is probably the most famous, at least in our times, verse of Scripture. John 3.16. I remember when in the 70s, 80s, it was much more prevalent, but you'd watch a football game because there was only one or two on, and there'd be a guy sitting behind one of the field goals with a rainbow wig on, and he'd have John 3.16 on a big poster board. Think how many thousands and probably hundreds of thousands of gospel tracts were shown with that scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I think we all recognize that verse. But how many people, I was thinking as I was praying the message, how many of us, I forget, how many pastors, how many even Christian teachers who study can remember what the context was, where the setting was when Jesus spoke those words? Up on a rooftop, in the dark, in private with one person. Nicodemus and Jesus, they're equals. They're both rabbis. Nicodemus calls Jesus rabbi. And and Nicodemus wants to understand, he's trying to understand how Jesus is doing these miracles, this teaching that the people are gathering to hear. He has a curiosity, but he still doesn't want the public to know that he, as this religious esteemed religious leader, this Pharisee, is meeting and talking with Jesus. He has a fear. The miracles, the mystery that's kind of surrounding Jesus, it points to there's a power, there's something going on that I can't understand. And that's the problem, I believe, that Nicodemus wants to meet with Jesus. Nicodemus wanted something that would fit into his view, his box of understanding. His understanding of who God is and how God should act. An answer that would allow the miracles that he's heard about, the miracles that he may have witnessed himself in this box that he can wrap his knowledge, his mind around. This is what it means. This is how God is speaking. And why does he want to be able to fully understand Jesus? Things that we can't completely understand are things we cannot control, and therefore they might be dangerous. How many people, even people like us, want to put God into a box of what we understand, so we can understand God better. Here's my view of what and who God is, and this is how God should act. You know, when we place God into a box of our own design, it allows us to control how we believe God should act in the world. How often do we allow our own beliefs 
build walls around who and what God is and what he wants to do in the world. In the story that we just read, the story of Jesus and Nicodemus, Jesus is kind of hinting that your faith, Nicodemus, is incomplete. It's immature. And Jesus uses the illustration of a child that's still safe in his mom's belly as he's growing. He's saying, you're still gestating. You're still growing. Then he says, you must be born again and declare this faith in the light of day. And then he seems annoyed when Nicodemus doesn't immediately understand this metaphor of this spiritual birth, this spiritual rebirth. He says, you are Israel's teacher and you do not understand these things. In that series, The Chosen, it's very much non-confrontational. But the impatience that we hear in the words of Jesus when we read them, they have led some people to believe that this is actually a command, you must be born again. And many people interpret this rebirth as something that developing Christians need to do. And with this belief carried to fullness, there's an urgency of people need to make a decision for Christ as their Lord. That's the most important thing. And however legitimate that viewpoint is, reading this text can be, as a command like that, is not the only option we have. In fact, it may just be as legitimate to read this story as an invitation. What if Jesus is telling Nicodemus that he wants that he needs to be born again by water and spirit, he's instead simply asking Nicodemus to let God work in his life. Let God do the work. That invitation can sound provocative because it invites us to open our imaginations and reconsider our own relationship with God through Christ. Jesus invites Nicodemus, as he invites each person, to come into the light of day, becoming mature believers, full participants in the abundant life that Christ offers. And Jesus knows something, he knows and believes that neither Nicodemus or anyone else can do today do this on their own today. Everyone, Nicodemus, you and me, we all need God's help. It's only God who can give birth in water and the Spirit. Spiritual rebirth is God's gift. It's God's work to accomplish. And it's God who labors to bring us into this new life. God works hard for us and our faith. God conceives us as Christians, you could say, and then nurtures us in the wombs of our faith 
safe and warm and secure. Oftentimes we're formed like that in the church body. But at some point, like any pregnant woman who's close to full term, God gets impatient with this process of gestation and he wants to get on with it. It's time to, for us to be delivered. God wants to push that baby through the birth canal into greater maturity, into the fullness of life, into a faith live holy in the world, not in the darkness. That's something that Jesus is talking about in this story. Jesus thinks it's time for Nicodemus to come through that spiritual birth canal. How many of us are still gestating as Christians? Who among us still has room to grow in our faith? And the good news of this story, of this text, is that God is prepared. He's even eager to do the hard, messy, sweaty labor that's going to bring us into full maturity and new life in Christ. If you're like me, it's easy to fall in love with control and certainty. I think maybe that's because we're all getting a little bit older. When we're young, we kind of, let's just go with the flow and see what happens. But as we age, it's like, Oh, I need to know what tomorrow is going to bring. A well-ordered life with no unruly surprises can be very appealing. Otherwise, we're forced to confront the truth of how very little control or certainty we actually have. Forced to recognize our own staggering vulnerability. We need help. We don't want to admit it, but we do. And this story shows us the full extent of the help that God offers us, that God offers everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. It doesn't say, you've got to worship this way. Here's these Ten Commandments. Make sure you check, all, check them all. Once you've you got the checklist complete, then, and only then. That's not what it says. All who believe in Christ may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's the good news. That's the gospel. So this week, we look for the helper, the one whom the psalmist says in that psalm we read, 121, made heaven and earth, the one who will not let your foot be moved, he who keeps you, who will not slumber, nor sleep. God cares for us. God's there to assist us, push us down through that birth canal, 
so that we can enjoy the rebirth and the fullness of faith that he wants for each of us. We need to understand that God goes beyond human constraints of control or certainty and even understanding. God's help is for the entire universe. At the end of the day, we can't earn our way to God's favor. We can't earn our way to God's love. We can't do all the right things to gain some mysterious prize. It's all a gift of God's grace. At the end of the day, we have to recognize it's all impossible on our own. May your journey lead you to look for the helper, Jesus Christ, more fully in your life and your faith. Amen.